welcome to Parapod, City of Parramatta Libraries podcast. Uh, now, this podcast is about libraries and reading, uh, books, everything in between that. And look, this uh, session, my name is Catherine, by the way, and I'm here with my colleague, Nissa. Hello. So look, um, today, Nissa, we decided we'd um, take some books and review them. Um, and, you know, this is really to mark the Sydney Writers' Festival, which is taking place right now. Um, so, um, look, I decided to have a look quite randomly at three books um, that I actually reserved. And, you know, all three of them I have found very interesting, quite fascinating books. Um, so, look, Nissa, you're going to describe the books that we're going to discuss I today. Am. Yeah, yeah. So, so please so, do. <laughs> so, you've got about three books books and I've got one fairly hefty looking book to well, that's review. Fair. <laughs> okay so uh, one of the ones that you're going to be doing is Friday Black by Nana Kwame RJ Brenya and the book was published in 2018 by River Run. Uh, one of the other ones uh, we're going to be doing is Godspeed a memoir by Casey Legler and that was published by Scribe also in 2018. Mm. Uh, then we've got Confessions of the Fox by Geordie Rosenberg, again 2018 by Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one I'm going to be looking at is The Runaways by Fatma Putto, which was published by Penguin Random House in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Very that's the plan. Uh, so Catherine, you were going to, I think, start with Friday Black. Mm-hmm. So what what was your, I mean, what did you think about the book? What, I, I, believe it's a collection of short stories correct yeah well look uh, Nissa Friday Black um, is actually a, a debut novel as all three of these books are uh, it's a book of short stories it's won some awards I think it's been shortlisted for the Dylan Thomas um, this um, author um, has there's quite a buzz around this author he um, was named um, one of the five up-and-coming uh, American writers mm-hmm. uh, under 35 years. Um, so, look, this is, this debut novel is set in a dystopian near future. Um, the settings are prosaic, so they're um, shopping malls, they're um, hospitals, they're, you know, neighbourhoods. Um, the, the tone is, um, in some of the stories, magic realism. Um, sometimes, you know, the settings are a little bit twisted and surreal. But, you know, it's all grounded and set in, I think, very much the race relations, the social justice system in America. Um, they're really about the black experience. Um, you know, some of them are hard. It's, it can be dark in places. It can be funny, wry, um, humorous, absurd. Um, the stories that resonated with me um, was, um, I, th- I think I mentioned the Finkelstein Five, and that's a yeah. reference to the Finkelstein Public Library. And th- this, act- this was actually the first story in this, uh, this book. And, you know, it's very visceral. It just really grabs you and, you know, you really empathise and sympathise with the black experience in America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think I've ever really felt, um, you know, so empathetic before because, you know, as this story, short story goes on, you, you just feel outraged on behalf of what's actually happened and the justification that is brought to bear in the the court system in America to justify like the slaughter of five children mm-hmm. outside the library um, and and you know really it's a, it, it's this 
guy, this white guy, presumably, who's protecting his kids. So, you know, he sees these kids hanging around, he feels threatened. And, and you know, I mean, it's surreal and it, it is absurdist in tone, mm-hmm. but, you know, this guy gets off. And, you know, at the end of the story, you feel absolute outrage. So, you know, it's really good because it makes uh, the general reader feel, you know, that kind of empathy for marginalised people in our community, you know, for the, for the outsiders. You know, it's a common theme, I know. Um, the other story I really liked was Zimmerland. Now, Zimmerland was, like, a little bit similar. It, it's kind of um, almost a little bit grotesque. It's set in this theme park where white people can go and experience actually reenacting the murder of black people in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and uh, under the guise of conflict resolution. Like, I mean, that's quite a twisted concept, I know. Um, so, you know, you're getting the idea that this novel's kind of, you know, quite hard-hitting. Um, I think Roxane Gay, who's, you know, a black activist, has uh, reviewed it on the, uh, the front and says, this is a book you must read. So it gives you the tone of this sort of book and, you know, I've described the setting. You know, the language is clever and, you know, as you pointed out, when you write short stories, you have to be very mindful of using, you know, just uh, the economy of Exactly, because I, I remember watching um, the an interview of, like, the author Nana Kwame on Late Night Live with Seth Meyers and that's one of the points that he made, oh. that, yeah, when you have, like, when you are writing a work of you know short stories you have to be you have to consider even more so than you normally would what kind of words you're using because you don't have the luxury of hundreds of pages of trying to make your point you have to make your point yeah. within the confines of what you've been given in terms of you know uh, the length of your story yeah, so yeah. so every word really packs a punch yeah so that one look i would say um it is bleak in parts but I found, you know, some of the stories, that, particularly those two that I mentioned riveting, there's more stories and some of them are less successful and to me a little bit repetitive. <laughs> but, uh, you know, on the, on the whole, because the theme is the same theme yeah. and, you know, he's not to labour the point, but, you know, he, he's a very angry um, guy and what he's expressing is really valid and it's, um, it's definitely worth a read. Yeah. So, look, moving on. Um, the next book uh, that I, as I said, randomly um, reserved was Casey Legler's Godspeed, a memoir. So um, this um, really put me in mind of like reading Jack Kerouac when I was younger. It's got that real beat sort of poetry feel to it. Um, it is a very poetic book. She actually writes very well. I'm very, very gifted and um, smart person. You know, a um, an artist, a restaurateur, a model. Um, she was an Olympic swimmer, right? Wasn't she? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, this story really um, involves her experience as an Olympic swimmer. She swam in. 2000, uh, the Atlantic 2009, 2001 Olympics, um, where she was one of the fastest swimmers in the world. That actual uh, meet was a complete debacle. And even though she had the fastest time in the world, Mm -hmm. she ended up coming like, you know, something like 23rd. Wow. So it was all a bit of a a mess. But then when you read this book, um, as I said, it, um, it, she's actually a French-American person. So it's interesting because a lot of the story is actually set in France, Provence, where she's a child, and then later on uh, when she moves to Paris to train. But it describes a really numbing and brutal routine that young swimmers have to undergo. 
Um, and, you know, it's visceral when she describes, you know, sort of standing on the deck and, you know, you know diving into the water. It's, um, you know, she describes the, the feeling of pain that she's, you know, like almost diving into glass, I think she describes it, you know, um, because it's cold, it's dark, you know, every morning at five o'clock, you know, these kids are just out there and they're just swimming laps for hours. So, I mean, that's very, very um, skillfully conveyed. But the, 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 kind, the kind of interesting part of the story is that she becomes drug addicted and alcoholic as she becomes a teen as a way to deal with feeling, feeling alienated, lonely um, and, you know, really sort of depressed. So I guess it, it, it describes the life of an elite athlete, um, you know, how gruelling it can be. But, but it's, she's a very, as I said, a very gifted writer. It moves between France and America. Um, I think the ending, I found it a little bit cliched because, you know, she's in the desert in um, Tucson, I think she ends up, and she kind of has an epiphany. And it's like a little bit sort of abrupt and, uh, I, I don't know, it's a bit open-ended, but I think that's just a small criticism for actually what is a very readable book. You know, you can almost read this book in two sittings. Well, the, the, I mean, what's interesting about the book, I'm just looking at it here, and it's it's very, it's a very slim volume. It's quite, you know, it's it's... Gosh, I think it's probably the same size as the collection of short stories you just talked about. Yeah, so do right. you feel like that size, which is unusual for a memoir, I suppose, does mm. that do it? Is she able to do it justice, like her story? In well, I think so, and it's, it's only a small part of her life. You know, it begins from when she's a child and her family moved to Provence. Uh, until that time, well, basically, you know, it charts the highs and lows of her career. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she, because of her alienation, you know, she gets involved in drug abuse, casual sex and all the terrible things that can happen to young people. But, you know, what is really wonderful is to think, well, look, here's a woman who's come through that. You know, she's really a successful person. Uh, she went on to be... Um, to graduate from Smith University, um, you know, she's clearly a really bright and intelligent person, you know, sort of happily settled um, and lives between New York and Sydney, which is interesting. So um, she's also a guest at Sydney Writers' Festival. I recommend that book. I, uh, I really did enjoy it. So um, moving on to um, Confessions of a Fox by Geordie Rosenberg. Now, look, this, um, this is a... Uh, described as metafiction so it's kind of a reimagined um, uh, story about an actual historical figure and that figure is Jack Shepard. So this person is um, a uh, actually a very famous thief. Um, the, the opening scene is Jack standing at Tyborn on the gallows about to be hung. So it's actually a really rollicking adventure um, it's also a mystery. It's um, it's, it's got a lot of action. Like it's a, it's a really great read. To be honest, I'm only halfway through it. Um, that's time constraints, but I just can't wait to finish it. As I said to you, I could barely put it down to come to work. <laughs> so, um, but I, I, it, it is it is a, a complex book um, because. The, the premise is that this memoir is a found memoir and an academic uh -huh. called Dr Voth, who's at an academic institution, finds it and uh, reads it. And the story of Jack 
and Dr. Voth, their, Voth, their stories are kind of interspersed, and and they both are having you know uh, problems within um, you know their private lives, love problems, career problems, you know life problems, and so it, it sort of seamlessly shifts from one. Uh, character to the next, but you know, mainly it's just this great rollicking um, story, and also um, twist. Uh, Jack turns out to be a trans person, so mm -hmm. that is a very interesting and quite oh, fairly unique sort of twist. So um, this is a book I would definitely recommend as well. Great, playful. So look, Nissa. Yes. Let's hear from you. <laughs> Unless you want to comment, but certainly read that book. Oh, yes, definitely. That, that sounds very appealing. Yeah, so the book I was going to talk about was uh, The Runaways by Fatima Puttul. So that is a work of fiction. It's the second work of fiction she's actually written. So um, Fatima is a, she's a Pakistani writer who uh, was born in Afghanistan and she grew up in Damascus. Um, studied in the United States uh, and the UK. Uh, she's a very gifted writer. I think um, her first book of writing that she published was actually a book of poetry. So that's something she's very interested in. You can see that reflected in this book as well. Uh, then she wrote a book, uh, sort of a memoir about her very famous political family, um, as you know her surname would indicate, uh, called um, A Song of Blood and Sword. Uh, followed by her first book of fiction, which was Shadow of the Crescent Moon, and now this one, which is called The Runaways. So, look, the book, basically, the basic premise is it follows three characters. So there's uh, a character called Monty, uh, a character called Sunny, and another character called Anita. Um, and it talks about their lives. Uh, two of the characters, a lot of their lives are set in, um, in Pakistan. Gadachi specifically, um, and one character, uh, the life of that character is mostly set in the UK and um, sort of we, we have a look at their lives and how they, their stories intersect at some point. So there are a lot of really interesting themes I found in the story, uh, well in the novel. I mean you've got um, radicalisation which is a, it's a big issue, I mean that's been going on for the last decade and a half or so, uh, but even more so I think these days when you hear you know in the news about um, all these young people who went and joined uh, you know ISIS and now they they want to come back and that, that's sort of brought the issue back in the the news these days and this it seems like it, it's the perfect timing for something like that because there's a lot of debates around that so it talks about you know um, radicalization and radicalism amongst young people um, it talks about social media validation how that's important for a lot of people um, issues about trying to fit in issues about loneliness, um, issues about uh, young people from migrant backgrounds trying to live up to their parents' um, you know, dreams because their parents weren't able to do certain things and how their parents pour all of their, their, their you know, their, their kids are basically the product, product of their blood, sweat and tears and how that places an immense amount of, like that's a really big burden on, on these children and how they react to that. So that's one of the things that comes up class issues in places like Pakistan and the UK, um, how you've got intolerance, uh, you know, amongst people who may consider themselves or present themselves as very religiously pious, but perhaps they are not able to reflect that piety when it comes to, like, treating people who are disadvantaged. Um, sexuality, you know, homosexuality, how people from certain faiths, uh, I mean, on the one hand, they've got this faith that they believe in, but on the other hand, they've got this 
you know, this uh, this idea of people they're um, attracted to sexually and uh, it goes against the, the grain of what their faith is. So that's one of the struggles. So there are a lot of really interesting themes that she packs into this one book, which is over about 400 pages long. Um, but, you know, I feel like she did a really good job. The characters are really well fleshed out. I think we were talking about this before. Um, she's got three characters. All three of them have Western names, which is interesting. So she's tried to make it appealing to a wider audience, the book, by having these characters who have names that are, you know... Um, so, for example, there's a character called... Like, the characters I mentioned, Monty, Sunny and Anita. Uh, Monty's real name is Mustafa and Sunny's real name is Salman. But, you know, to make it easy for the, for you know, the reader, I suppose, the language does... Uh, you know, they've made it easier for the reader uh, to really connect with the the characters by giving them names that are a bit more accessible to a wider audience. Um, so that's one of the things they've done here. Uh, the storylines, well, you know, you sort of see them as three separate strands, um, but then they begin to want to intersect just before, like just before halfway through the novel. Um, but then as you read it, you realise that they intersected way before. So you've got that interesting thing. It's not quite a twist, but it's still, it still packs in um, those moments where you're really surprised where the story is going. Uh, so that's so well-structured. It is. It is well-structured, I think. Oh. I mean, the pace, it doesn't feel like, um, you know, it's sort of plodding along. I mean, it, it is. The book is, you know... It, yeah, it takes an effort to go through. It is, it is. It is a weighty yes. tone. But um, I think the pace is a steady one. It's 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 not brisk, but it's not sort of, you know, plodding away there as it is. Um, I feel like the tone of the book, I mean, there are... The topic is pretty dark, if you think about it, extremism and religious fundamentalism. Um, however, I don't think that the book has a dark tone because it. you sort of know where this is going, um, but... I think she's taken care to not really linger on like depictions of violence or um, depictions of violence or, uh, you know, sort of the really horrible things that happen or, or murder or rape. Uh, it's there. She's given enough, like she does well enough with her language and, um, you know, the story to present that this is what's going on, but she doesn't linger on those. Um, and I, I really like that because... Sometimes it can feel gratuitous when people really spend pages and pages describing gruesome scenes. Mm. Um, so that's one of the things I quite liked. So it's a hopeful book in terms of the character's trajectory. Well, I wouldn't say. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to give any spoilers out here. I, I wouldn't say hopeful, but I think she leaves just enough doubt at the end. You know, for you to go, well, there is still hope there. Um, I wouldn't really characterise it as hopeful. No, unfortunately, I wish I did. Uh, well, one last thing I'd probably say about the book. So my favourite um, appeal factor out of all of it was its language, probably. So because uh, one character is... Well, two, one character is um, based in Pakistan. Another character is also based in Pakistan, um, but the character goes back and forth between the UK, so a very privileged um, background. Mm -hmm. And another character is an Indian background person um, who... Uh, you know, goes to the Middle East um, and, you know, a lot of events happen there. So the book, by necessity, it has a lot of Hindi and Urdu words in it and that really gives it that flavour of 
you know, rooting it in that setting of people who are in the West, but you also get that feel through the expressions that are, that are used there. Uh, sometimes there are like um, literally uh, tra um, translated expressions that come from Urdu, uh, or there might be words that come from uh, Urdu itself. Um, I think it might be confusing for people who don't know the language sometimes to follow some of it, although she usually does that thing where you mention a word and then the next sentence will give you the context so you can sort of guess what it means. Oh. I think a glossary might have been a nice idea. Um, also, one thing I'd like to – she has this interesting thing where um, Percy Bysshe Shelley's The Mask of Anarchy is kind of referenced throughout. Um, so one of the characters is like she repeatedly calls her like a lion or a lioness and, um, you know, the, the line, that great line from uh, the um, – from the poem, rise like lions after slumber, in unvanquishable number, shake your chains to earth like dew, which in sleep had fallen on you. Um, ye are many, they are few. That is incorporated into here. And when I think of that poem, I probably think of the masses rising up and, you know, revolution and fighting for rights. However, in this case, it's sort of applied to people that we wouldn't normally associate that with, those sort of fundamentalists. So that's a bit, yeah, it's a bit jarring to see that expression being used as a motivational factor or those words being used as motivational factors for um. religious fundamentalists. So, I, I, look, I think she's done a marvellous job with the with the language and I, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it definitely sounds really clever. But, I mean, I, I totally get that, um, you know, if you use beautiful poetry, um, you know, in that context, it, 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 um, it it's equally valid you know, for a fundamentalist to be inspired yeah. by just, that call to yeah. arms in that way. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you know, the death of the author, you really don't get to dictate how your words are going to be used. One last thing I would really like to say about this book, um, mm. when she talks about the book in the introduction, um, she dedicates it to two people. So uh, there's one person called um, Ertazaz Hassan Bangash and another called Mashal Khan. And I looked them up and it turns out uh, one was a student who, um, a student in Pakistan who lost his life because um, uh, a suicide bomber was trying to come to his school and he noticed that at the gate and he tackled, this was a kid, a 14-year-old kid, I think, he tackled the suicide bomber and got blown up himself, but he saved countless um uh, you know, for young lives. Yeah, countless. And he was only mm. a kid himself. So that was one person. Oh. Another person was a very young university student, probably in his early 20s, who was um, pretty much like attacked by a mob at his university, supposedly for, for saying blasphemous, um, mm -hmm. for blasphemous things, just because he was standing up for the rights of, you know, fellow students. So I love how she's dedicated this book to them. And it, and it feels very appropriate that a book about, um, you know, radicalization and radicalism in young people and all the struggles mm. that they have to go through is dedicated to those two people who lost their lives in such oh, a horrible lovely. manner. Yeah. yeah, because really they're the heroes, those people who have the courage to stand up to say what is unpopular at the time. Yeah, yeah indeed. Wow, I, I'm going to have to read that book. Is uh, Fatima Bhutto um, a member of the political Bhutto family? She is indeed. She oh, okay. is. Uh, she's Just a very talented member. She is. Um, her dad uh, was a politician in Pakistan. Her um, aunt, her dad's sister, most famously was Benazir Bhutto, who was a prime minister of Pakistan. Huh. Grandfather was also a prime minister. And her great-grandfather, I think, uh, before... Um, well, pre-partition India was also a, a great... So she comes from a political dynasty. She comes from a very privileged background. Yeah. Um, but I think... And I think that allows her to sort of 
take a dig at them the way they're presented the privileged in Pakistan and she does critique. it does them very well but she but she also is able to um, present the the other not like underprivileged background people very well as well so I think she's she's done it like her characters are not one-dimensional at all she's like yeah. fleshed them out so well all of them feel authentic so yeah. she obviously knows her stuff sounds like it wow fascinating got to read that one yeah Lisa thank you so much um look um so all of these uh writers are going to appear at Sydney Writers Festival in fact uh Jordi Rosenberg will be appearing at Parramatta Riverside in mm. the next couple of weeks and Fatha Butcher is going to be doing the closing address at the festival excellent yeah wish we could be there so look thank you for being with us and listening today and we hope to catch you next time signing off Catherine and Nissa see ya material presented in this podcast is for general information only any opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the guest speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of City of Parramatta Council City of Parramatta Council is not responsible for any injury, loss or damage which you may directly or indirectly suffer in connection with this podcast.